Bokertov, good morning. Welcome everybody to the Aliyah Day. I am so glad to be with you. All of you precious people who are watching, some of you are listening on the podcast from across the fruited plain. We welcome you this morning. Glad that you are with us. I am glad to be here, and it is a beautiful day. It is a bright and, and sunny day. It looks like here in the great state of Texas, we are going to have a little bit of a cool front, God willing, come through. It's only going to be 95 degrees tomorrow, so I'll be sure to wear a big coat and a toboggan. It'll be like, uh, like wintertime almost, compared to what we've had. <coughs> compared to what we've had. Brukashim. <laughs> Hope you're doing well. Listen, it is going to be uh, an amazing time coming up, and we're living it right now. You and I, my friends, are very much living the dream, and you should not forget that. So, uh, Hashem. <clears throat> Remember, by the way, just want to tell everybody, especially if you're tuning in for the very first time, to uh, be sure and subscribe to our channel and click the little bell to make sure that you do not miss any of the wonderful content. And as always, I thank you so very, very much for liking our video and leaving comments and letting everybody know, uh, you know what you think about everything. And that's fantastic. We're so glad that you're with us. We are in Parasha Ve'etchanan in the book of uh, Deuteronomy, the book of Devarim. <clears throat> and we are finding ourselves on uh, the in the fourth chapter, beginning with the forty-first verse, on page nine sixty-seven or nine sixty-six, if you read in the Ivrail and the Hebrew. So let's read the third Aliyah here, and then we will get right to our our commentary because we have quite a lot to share today. And so many good things, and I want to be able to get to as much as it, of it as, as possible as we have time for. So, verse 41. Then Moshe set aside three cities on the bank of the Jordan toward the rising sun, for a killer to flee there, who will have killed his fellow without knowledge, but who was not an enemy of his from yesterday or before yesterday, and then he shall flee to one of those cities and live. So this is uh, talking about basically manslaughter. Somebody who killed somebody but did not do so intentionally. There is now a city of refuge. The sages make an interesting connection, by the way, to the Torah. Uh, and that the Torah itself is our uh, city of refuge. We have to stay within the confines of Torah and therefore we don't risk spiritual or even natural death. And someone might say, well, I thought that the psalm, the psalmist referred to God as my refuge and my tower. And uh, the answer to that, or the question being rather is, is it the Torah that's our tower, our city of refuge, or is it God that is our tower and our city of refuge? And the answer to that question is yes. All right, so uh, it says here in uh, the continuing verse 43, Bezer in the wilderness and the land of the plain of Reubenite, Ramoth and Gilead of Gadite, and Golan in Bashan of the Massite. Verse 44. This is the teaching that Moshe placed before the children of Israel. These are the testimonies, the decrees, and the ordinances that Moshe spoke to the children of Israel when they left Egypt. 
on the bank of the Jordan in the valley opposite Beth Baor in the land of Sihon, king of the Amorite who dwells in Heshbon, whom Moses and the children of Israel smote when they went out of Egypt. They possessed his land and the land of Og, the king of Bashan, who kings of the Amorites, which are on the bank of the Jordan where the sun rises, from Aror, that is by the shore of the Arnon brook, until Mount Sion, which is Hermon, and the entire Arba, uh, yeah, Arba in the east bank of the Jordan until the Sea of Arba, until the waterfalls of the cliffs. That's the end of our uh, third Aliyah, where Moshe is setting up the cities of refuge. So just come to come over here and look at a few insights, a couple things that we got uh, left off from yesterday. See what we can glean from, from these important statements. So looking back to uh, chapter 4 and verse 1, it says in the Keho Tumash, So now, O Israel... And it, to the verse, so now Israel, listen to the rules and the ordinance that I'm teaching you to observe. So it says, as has been pointed out previously, the name Israel connotes the victor in battle. He who, was, who, who has, rather, striven with God and with men and has prevailed. It is specifically now, during the present order, when the divine soul must combat the innate drives of the animal soul, that the Jewish people are referred to as Israel with regard to their victory in this struggle. In this world to come, however, when physical reality will reveal its true godly source and this battle will no longer be necessary, the Jewish people will no longer be referred to by this name. We are taught that since the divine soul will then be able to manifest itself unhindered, by the, the righteous, then, will be identified by God's own name. Every Jew will be a transparent conduit for divinity into this world. Therefore, Moses begins by saying, Now, O Israel. So, the commentary here, or the comments, is that we're called Israel now, but in the Olam Haba, in the world to come, we'll be called by Hashem's divine name. We're not able to be called by Hashem's divine name in this present reality because we have not reached that point of complete uh, holiness. We have not reached that point of uh, transcendence where we are actually able 100% to become echad with God. I wanted to submit that this is one of the other reasons why we should not try to pronounce the divine name. Aside from the fact that no one knows how to, to pronounce the divine name. I want to make that explicitly clear. In case someone is tuning in for the first time or they've been watching for a little while and they come from certain other groups, that that is part of their um, worldview. I want to make it abundantly clear that there is no one on the planet who knows how to say the divine name. No one. And so therefore, if since that's the truth... Every time someone attempts to pronounce the divine name, they are incorrect. And since the divine name is so holy, it is not something with which we want to mishandle and be incorrect. So that would be a, actually every time we try to say the divine name, and therefore we know we're wrong since no one knows how to say it. Nobody knows how to say it. I don't care 
how what they say they don't know. And since we don't know and we mess it up, that is the very essence of taking the Lord's name in vain. It's also the very essence of Chilu Hashem. So it's very, 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 very bad. Even in the book of Revelation, it says the Mashiach returns, he is going to have a name written upon him, which no one knows. But going back to our comments here, there's another deeper reason why we don't say the name. Because we're not there yet. We're not in that reality yet. We haven't reached that level yet. And so that is what I wanted to bring out with, uh, with that comment. Another comment here on this same segment uh, to verse 4, for chapter 4, verse 4. All you who are alive today, remember we said that, we read that yesterday, and we said that we say this uh, during the Torah reading, that the goodbye of our synagogue says this, all you who are alive today, attached yourself to God, right? So it says, one might think that the more we are devoted to God, the more our personal individ individuality disappears, so the Torah is teaching us here that that is actually the, the acts the, the opposite. Our true individuality, our, our true individual selves, our true identity depends directly upon our attachment to God. And so uh, just to reiterate, how do we attach ourselves to God? The only way to attach ourselves to God is vis-a-vis -vis the Holy Torah. Because again, the Torah is God. It's very important. Which brings me to something else I wanted to say. I mentioned during the Drosh, I think I mentioned it yesterday as, as well, that the Torah, the law of God, is the word of God, the will of God, the uh, scriptures of God, etc. But I also should like to mention that the, that the, the law of God is God. The law of God and God are echad. This is what the sages have made clear for thousands of years. And it's what the Gospels make clear. Now, if that's true, if the law is God, and someone says, then why do you want to place yourself under the law? Well, the answer should be obvious. Do I want to be under the law? Absolutely. 100%. Why? Because the law is God. I want to be under him, not above him, God forbid, not to the side of him, God forbid. I want to be in him. So it says, what we normally mistake as our personality, it says here in this, this sentence, it's a very good sentence, what we normally mistake as our personality is really our secondary animalistic side. We, my friends, the point being here is that we, we truly find ourselves in Torah observance. And some people, when they begin to live a Torah lifestyle, they begin to lose what they perceive to be their, their old self, which, by the way, isn't that what we're after? The old man dies, but I digress. The point being is that what we often perceive as our, our real personality is really nothing more than our animalistic, animalistic instincts. People say such things, well, I'm Irish, therefore I'm angry, as if somehow that's a good thing, but it's not. When we, when we attach ourselves to God, we begin to take upon our true identity. What's our true identity? What's our true personality? It's the personality that God intends for us to have. 
And so we do that by taking upon ourselves uh, the Torah. Why? Because the Torah is the DNA of God. So the more that we invest ourselves in God's DNA, we divest ourselves of that old man, that old personality, which if, it's, if anger is a part of that, then, then that's, that's it. It says, the more we surrender our apparent individuality to God's omnipresence, we, compact, we, can, we connect rather ourselves <clears throat> to God's true source. Another comment that I want to read here and, and point out, this, this is everything I've said so, thus far comes from the Kehot Tumash, because this is going to lead into a wonderful discussion of the... Um, of the, the subject of prayer. And this comes from, again, yesterday's reading, going back to chapter 4 in verse, let's see, looks like 35. At the end of that verse, it says in Hebrew, Adonai hu ha'elohim ein old milvado. There is, God is the only God, and there is none other besides him. Ein old milvado. So there's a comment here, something that we've talked about many times before. But as is usual, it's worth repeating here to remind ourselves. And that is that God is existence. And we have to really, we really have to take that to heart. That Hashem is existence. There is ain old milvado. There is nothing but Him. It's what we, on Shabbat, from the transition point from, from the worship to the Torah service, I was really overcome with a, a great sense of emotion. Coming to the realization, and I, when, I, when I say realization, it's not as if I just figured it out, but um, I guess it was just made more poignant in that mo- moment, that there's really nothing but God. I, I, I phrased it by saying, there's nothing but you, which actually comes from the sitter. There's a, there's a, a statement in the sitter that says that very thing. It's, it's only you, Hashem. It's only you. It's nothing but you. If there, and, I, and I said, and somebody quoted me, uh, that if, it, if there wasn't because of you, there would be no us. That we, He is our existence. And when we realize that, that there's no power on earth besides Him, there's nothing that can thwart His plan. That everything we're going through, if we're going through good times, it's because of Him. If we're going through difficult times, it's because of Him. If we're going through good times, we need to praise His name. And if we're going through bad times, we need to praise His name. A lot of times, the difficulty that we go through uh, is because Hashem is trying to teach us something. Trying to make us better, make us stronger. He's trying to help us make the shuva in an area. And we find ourselves going through difficulty, 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 then the answer to that is not to get angry. The, the, the answer is not to get bitter. The answer is, God forbid, not to complain against God. That's the worst thing we can do. The worst thing we can do is complain against the ways of Hashem. The best thing that we can do is to go to our place of prayer and cry out to Hashem and say, what's going on? What do I need to learn? What do I need to correct? 
How do I need to return to you? Why? Because everything that is anything is you. And so we say that uh, nature is an illusion. We don't mean that it doesn't exist. It just means that behind the breath of breeze that we feel on our face when we walk out the front door, behind the leaf dropping, dropping from the tree to the ground is all Hashem. If it weren't, if it were not for him in his existence, none of that would be happening. That's what we're trying to say. That everything only happens because Hashem wills it to happen. That's why, my friends, one of the names of God is Hamakom, the place. Isn't that an interesting name for God? One of his names is the place. Why? Because existence, reality, the universe only exists in him. He's not in a place. He is the place. This is why everywhere we go, God is omnipresent. Now, this, think about this for a moment. It's not that God is everywhere, like he can be everywhere at the same time. It's that God is everywhere. Very important. It's not that he can be everywhere. It's that he is everywhere. Why? Because we can go to the highest mountain peak, or if it were possible, to the lowest valley of the sea, and there God is. Why? Because he's Hamakom. Everywhere that exists is him. It's very, no pun intended, very deep, isn't it? And so we have to understand that God is existence, and there is ain old milvado, nothing but him. Which is why we cry out to him, because there's no one who can save us but him. Which is, I just want to say, I don't mean to harp on this, but I, I don't know. It's, it's, like a, it's, like, it's, it's an attack of the enemy that gets in the people's heads lately, it seems. But this is why, my friends, it won't be a human messiah. Because no human being is, is existence. No human being, a mere human being, is existence. There's no way it can happen. It's an impossibility. We put our hope in a human being. What would be the point of Mashiach anyway, if he was just a man? What would be the point? God said about Mitzrayim that he brought us out. What would be the point? So it says, there's no reality besides him. There's no other reality. In verse 35, Moses tells the people, it says here that when God gave the Torah, he showed them that there is no other reality other than him. And then in verse 39, Moses tells them that they should not rely on the recollection of this revelation, but rather respond to it by striving to know God on their own. It says here, and the Gutna Kumash. In truth, even the creations do not exist as entities in their own right, as it appears to our eyes. We perceive that is, uh, we perceive it that that way because we do not see God God's energy. However, from the perspective of godly energy, which uh, enlivens us, our existence is totally nullified into absolute nothingness, like a ray of light inside the globe of the sun. Thus it follows that there is no existence outside of God. Even in the current period immediately preceding the true and complete redemption, 
The way a Jew acts in day-to-day life should resemble a life as it will be during the actual Messianic era. One of the most fundamental aspects of the future era is that it will be the fullest expression of the verse, you were shown the heavens in order for you to know that God is God and there is nothing besides Him. It will be revealed throughout the entire world that there is none other besides Him and that there is no existence other than God. In the new Jerusalem, we, we won't need a sun because He is the light. We will have a, a, a profound a revelation that Hashem is it. He's everything. And so the, the way in which we can live uh, in uh, the way in which we can live in that reality, the way in which we can live in the Olam Haba today is by living or realizing in our soul that there is nothing but God. Nothing else matters. Now, Having said that, we, we, we're going to learn as we're studying on Shabbat, going through the, uh, the book of uh, Kohelet, that God has implemented times and seasons. You know, we have to work, we, we have to mow our lawn, we have to uh, clean our homes, we have to do these physical things, we have to earn a living. And yet, at the same time, we have to understand the reality that all of our striving and all our effort is ultimately about God. Even our ability to serve God is God actually empowering us to serve Him. We have to also, I should just add, remain joyful and remain positive and remain expectant and not to be disheartened. God is going to be victorious and there's nothing that can stop him. There's nothing that can thwart his plan. As long as we're living for God, as long as we're pursuing God with our whole heart, we love him, we trust him, we believe in him, we are following his Torah and doing our very best to, to, uh, uh, to well, to, to do just that, to live for him. There's nothing and there's no one who can thwart that plan. No one. It's completely futile. They can frustrate. They can aggravate the forces of darkness I'm talking about and the, the human beings uh, through whom they work can do all those things. But nothing can thwart God's plan. So we go to him because, God, it's all you. So there's a discussion in uh, the Mayam Loez commentary about why Moses waited so long to, uh, to pray that he should be allowed to go into the Holy Land. And there's several reasons given, and I just want to kind of read through some of these. I don't know that we'll be able to get to them all today, but they're so good. We'll certainly come back to them tomorrow if we don't. So it says, the second reason why Moses waited until now to teach us that even if a sharp sword is laid at a person's neck, he should not despair of mercy, but should still pray that God gives him or saves him from death and not to say there is no hope for salvation. So one of the reasons given for Moses to to offer up this prayer 515 times, Hashem, please let me go into the land 
is that the lesson is we should never lose hope. That no matter, even if the sword is placed at our neck and, and, and it seems that all hope is lost, we should remember that all hope is never lost because it's all Hashem. It says, we thus find that Hezekiah, king of Judah, was extremely ill, and the prophet Isaiah came to visit him. Isaiah told him to write his last will since he was about to die from the sickness. In addition to this, Isaiah informed them that he would not live in the world to come. This is from 2 Kings 20 and Isaiah 28. He said, what is my sin, asked Hezekiah. What wrong did I do? Why was this evil decree made against me? And Isaiah replied and said, because you did not marry. And Hezekiah responded and said, but I had a prophetic inspiration. I saw that any children that I had would not be good. If I am to have evil children, it's better that I not marry at all. And Isaiah responded and said, you have no business with God's secrets. You must keep the commandments that were given, like be fruitful and multiply, right? God created woman so that man and woman can be married. That's the whole point. So it says, Isaiah responded additionally and said, let God then do what he wishes. Because just because we have an, a, a prophetic inspiration that you're going to have evil children, remember that God is hamakom. That may change. There might be something that can change in them. So Hezekiah said, let me marry your daughter. Through the merit of us both, I shall have good children. And Isaiah said, what is done is done. The decree has already been made on high. End your prophecy and leave, said Hezekiah. I have a tradition from my father's that even if a, short, a sharp sword is at a person's neck, he should not give up. This comes from the Talmud Barakot 10. So it is true that his, this prayer was said without any real concentration because Hezekiah was so very sick. Nevertheless, it's better that he himself pray to God to be healed than others should pray intensely for him. This is what King David said or meant when he said, God is close to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth from a Psalm 145, 18. He meant that God is very close to a person who calls in a time of trouble. Even though his prayer is not said with total concentration, since he is steeped in pain and much suffering, but nevertheless, God is still close to those who call upon him and who, and he will save them from their anguish. So it says, King Hezekiah stood up and began to pray from God from the very depths of his heart. Key word, from the very depths of his heart. He said, Lord of the universe, the Shunammite woman only made a small attic when the prophet Elisha spent some time there in 2 Kings 4. She did it so that she should have a place to prepare for him. For that kindness, you brought her child back to life. But my grandfather, King Solomon, covered the entire sanctuary with the gold and silver and he made the holy temple in your honor. You should certainly remember that merit and help me recover from my sickness. Remember that I walk before you with an upright heart. And this is, my friends, probably the most important 
line of this story that Ma'am Loez shares here. It says, he began to weep before God with hot tears. Very often in our prayer, we don't have that level of, of praying. We don't have that level of passion, not every time. And, and maybe for some, not most of the times. But my friends, I want to encourage us all to ask God to help us to pray with hot tears, to help us to shed tears, to help us to really cry out to God like Hezekiah cried out. It says, From this we learn that even though Hezekiah had fallen ill because of a decree on high, he made that he, he, he uh, excuse me, that he had, would die. Nevertheless, since he did not refrain from praying, God annulled the decree and granted him additional years. Moses said, I pleaded with God at that time, saying, Why did he only pray at that time? The reason that I only prayed at that time was because I wanted to teach you a lesson that you do not despair but that you realize that God can have mercy no matter how great the troubles you find yourself in. Even when you find yourself in a situation where there is a sharp sword at your neck, do not refrain from praying. The reason that prayer, he continues, is more important than good deeds is that if a person prays to God to show that he believes with all his heart that no matter what happens to a person, whether good or bad, it does not come from God, or it comes from God, he recognizes that God is the master of all. He only turns in prayer to God and knows full well that no other than God can help him. With this, he shows that he believes that God is one and his name is one. So no matter what we're going through, no matter how bleak the situation, I want to encourage us all, like Moses, never to lose hope, never to give up, never to say the situation is hopeless and all is lost. We should stay joyful. We should stay uh, faithful. We should stay hopeful. We should stay unified, 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 to be able to make tshuva, to cleave to God and to cleave to one another. Because there's nothing but this, my friends. There is nothing more important than this right now. You're, you're, some of you are at work. Some of you are on your way to work. Some of you are at, at home because you're taking care of the, the house as godly Jewish women. And all of what you're doing is critically important. You have to wash clothes. You have to, you have to do your job. You have to make all those things happen. Uh, students have to go to school and learn. But you, you need to understand. And many of you do. I know. I'm preaching to the Levitical choir here. But you need to understand that there's nothing but God. And that everything that you're listening to right now is the most important thing. End of our Aliyah today. We're going to continue with this theme of prayer tomorrow because there's a lot more from Mam Loez that needs to be shared, but we'll have to continue that tomorrow. Thank you so much for joining us and joining me. Please be sure to like this video. Please be sure to share it. And please, please subscribe to our channel. And I want to ask you to please invite your friends to subscribe to this channel as well as the Sar Shalom Synagogue channel. There are two YouTube channels, Lapid Judaism 
and then Sar Shalom Synagogue YouTube channel. So please invite your, your friends to subscribe. That is a huge blessing. It's going to help them, and it's going to help this word get out to so many people that need it. God bless you. God love you. We'll see everybody tomorrow with God's help.